at the bottom of page 103.b and looking at the uh, expansion of the uh, persecutive authority for Paul or Saul at the point in time. And so we uh, started in on chapter 9 and uh, set up, uh, what, two weeks ago now, <laughs> that uh, Paul was expanding on his persecution of the church and he didn't calm down. And as he's on his way out to do this, he is struck <laughs> with an encounter of the Lord. And so uh, this, this uh, enhancement he was seeking to uh, get more persecutive authority as a backdrop to this. But let's read from uh, verse 1 to verse 9, and then we'll get into our uh, text for the day or our lesson for the, the day. Uh, but verse 1, it says in Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if any be found, or if he found any of this way, whether they be uh, men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus, whom thou art persecuting. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, he trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told to thee what thou must do. And then, or, or, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. And we'll uh, start from verse 2. So let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're so uh, grateful for this day, uh, grateful for uh, the safety of travel to allow us uh, to be back here together uh, with the saints again. Uh, grateful for the time that we were uh, able to have with the saints out there in Oregon. Uh, and we uh, pray for uh, the reception of the word this morning and into our service this afternoon, uh, that it would be uh, from good preparation, uh, uh, edifying to the saints. And we pray that uh, you would remove any barriers, uh, be it uh, the enemy, be it uh, distractions or anything that's going on that would cause us to not uh, be able to lock into what your word has to say uh, and, and that we would be edified by the word. Uh, we pray that uh, we will be prepared for those works that you have in front of us and, and ready to execute on those. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So in verse two, we see uh, the enhancement of this persecutive authority. And so uh, what does it say there that Paul or Saul desired letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any Christians in this region, he might be able to to gather them and extricate them back to uh, Israel. And so you see uh, this appeal is made to the high priest. Uh, and so he went unto or appeared unto in the presence of face to face with the high priest 
in order to get this information or this this authority. Uh, and we talked about the high priest before, uh, possibly or most likely Caiaphas, who preceded Annas the high priest. And so uh, we talked about before that this role of high priest is kind of looked at like the president of the United States, where even after you're gone out of the office, they still refer to you as president such and such. And so uh, here's the same with the high priest. But go back with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 6, and we see this uh, kind of stated. And it can get kind of confusing as you're looking at it in context if you don't understand this. But pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. And it says in verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came up upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh, and so as we are coming through, remember, we talked about this, that the Sadducees have a big problem with the resurrection and the high priest is the high priest at this time is out from that group of people. And so here he's going to uh, uh, extend persecution unto, unto them because of this most mostly. In verse three, it says, and they laid hands on them and put them uh, in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, uh, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were kindred of the high priest were gathered together uh, at Jerusalem. Uh, and so it goes on from there. But you see, um, um, again, this this both of these guys named um, as high priests here, Annas and, and Caiaphas. Now, the high priest, again, is similar to that position in that they would have both been named that even if one was was not the high priest at that time. And so as you come over to chapter nine, uh, this is who uh, Paul is appealing to. Now, the letters of authorization we see that he is specifying uh, from the high priest to those at Damascus, to this local synagogue, uh, that Saul was authorized to act against those of this way or that way. Now, uh, we talked about this term used for Christianity and uh, know that they weren't referred to in Acts as Christians until a little bit down the line. And so how did they refer to these people? They referred to them as a sect or an offshoot of, of uh, Judaism. And so this term for this way is not a positive term. It's something that's seen as, as negative. Go with me over to Acts chapter 19 and verse 23. And we see it used there. And you can mark your Bible because we'll, of course, flip back to Acts chapter 9 as well. But in Acts chapter 19... And pick it up at um, pick it up at verse twenty-one. It says there, after these things uh, were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, "After I have been there, I must see Rome, or must also see Rome." So he sent into Macedonia two men that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus. Uh, but he himself stayed uh, in Asia for a season. 
And at the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. And so they're not saying here uh, the way of Paul, right? They're saying that way. This is a term used to describe uh, Christianity and continue on from there. Uh, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made uh, silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto uh, the craftsmen whom he called uh, together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, you know uh, that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that none are not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all of Asia, that Paul have persuaded and turned much people, saying that there be no gods which are made with hands. And so we know how that ends up. Uh, not good for Paul, right? There uh, is persecution that arises for him out of that. But uh, again, the way, uh, looking at this this sector offshoot of, of Judaism. Then over in uh, Acts chapter 24 and verse 22, we see it referred to there as well. Acts chapter 24. In verse 22, now here we have uh, Paul addressing Felix and um, pick it up at, well, we'll just read there from 22. It says, and when Felix heard these things, having uh, more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come, I will know the uttermost of your matter. Uh, And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister or to come unto him. Uh, And after certain days, when uh, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, uh, which was a Jewess, uh, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And so you see here again, Paul is about to make his appearance before Felix, but Felix has an understanding concerning Christianity and where it fits uh, with Judaism. And so he's going to uh, hear Paul's appeal upon that basis. At the top of page 104, uh, we see this, these letters uh, authorize Paul to act against men or women. Uh, and so as you uh, look at it here, it seems a bit harsh, right? That uh, men being the one that were seen as the uh, primaries of the household in this culture uh, and it's much different than today where uh, everybody's kind of on the same footing. Here, men were responsible, right? They're responsible for that household. And so you would think it would just be the men of the house that were, were persecuted. But no, it's the men and women that they found of this way. Uh, they would be held accountable uh, for that action. And we see the authorization of enforcement is also requested that they could take these men and women uh, from Damascus and send them back to Jerusalem to stand trial for the crime of being a Christian. Uh, And so, again, we compared it before, I think, uh, the last time that we were here uh, to what Hitler was doing and going house to house, right, and and gathering up these Jews and uh, imprisoning them. Uh, Some of the same tactics are being employed here by Paul. Now, uh, we see the authority for punishment for the Jews. uh, uh, And as you think about it, uh, their authority under Roman rule or Roman occupation was somewhat limited. Right. As you remember back to the Lord 
And, and what they were trying to do in crucifying him, they did not have authorization to put him to death, right? So they had to go through this whole uh, legal trial that they did. And, and from that, they decided, okay, we're, we want him put to death. But they had to go and get authorization from Rome in order to do it. Uh, however, they did have some leeway uh, under Roman rule to be able to act uh, in certain ways. And so this would have fallen under that authority. And so uh, they were allowed uh, to act according to Jewish law by Rome. And so uh, here they're thinking that uh, Paul is acting against uh, the law. And so they're going to, uh, or excuse me, Paul, <laughs> they're thinking that Christians are acting uh, against Jewish law. And so they're going to try to uh, uh, gather them up on the basis of this. Uh, but over in, back in Acts uh, 23 and verse 29, we saw that uh, Felix uh, acknowledged the legal authority of the Jews uh, right up to death. So go with me over there, and we see a little bit, of, bit more information on the authority that they had and the authority that Paul is requesting. Thank you. Acts chapter 29 23 and verse 29. And let's go back just a little bit. I don't want to go back too far. Um, pick it up in verse 21. No, verse 20. And it says, and he said, uh, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul to, uh, tomorrow into the council as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do uh, not thou yield unto them for their lion wait for him uh, of them more than 40 men who have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready uh, looking for the promise from thee? And so uh, here uh, Paul's nephew uh, gives this information uh, to the Jewish leadership in order to stop this from happening. And continue on to verse 22. It says, so the chief captain uh, then let the young man depart and charged him. See thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things unto me. And he called unto the two uh, called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen threescore and ten, and spearmen two hundred at the third hour of the night, and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him uh, safe unto Felix the governor. And he uh, wrote the letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias Unto the most excellent governor uh, Felix sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then I came uh, with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And when I would have known the cause whereof, or wherefore, excuse me, they accused him, I brought him forth into their council, uh, whom I perceived to, uh, to be accused of questions of their law. But to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or bonds. Uh, and when it was told to me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment 
uh, to the accusers also to say before uh, the what they had against him, farewell. And so you see in this letter um, what the Jews were attempting to do, right? They were attempting to illegally kill Paul <laughs> and under uh, the cloak of, of uh, um, uh, executing their law. But they did not have authority up to this point. And so you see Paul had to be rescued. Now, uh, just as with the Lord, there's a lot of politics going on here, right? And a lot of politics at play. Because if you don't appease the Jews, there could be an uprising, right? And this is why uh, uh, Pilate ended up allowing the Lord to be crucified. Because if there's an uprising and it looks like he's not in control of his region, he would be in trouble with Rome. And so uh, there was a little uh, things that were legal to be done and things that had to be done uh, to keep the peace. And so uh, you see this here. Now, Israel was under uh, a Sadducee religious influence, and we talked about that uh, with reference to the, the guy that was a current high priest at the time. And so go back with me to Acts chapter 5 and verse 17, and we see this uh, play out a little more there. Acts chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says there, then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Uh, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple uh, to the people all the words concerning this life. And so... <laughs> Very interesting here. They're, they're jailed, and we uh, talked about this as we were going through uh, for teaching the, the, this gospel. And I think the part of it that really got their, their uh, goat is the resurrection piece, right? Because <laughs> we talked about the Sadducees before and their uh, uh, consternation concerning uh, speaking of resurrection. They don't believe in it. And so uh, here, this is what, what spurred them to action. Uh, but the Sadducee rule, you see that they're uh, the more liberal sect of Judaism, and they spiritualize the Tanakh. And so as, if we went over to Acts chapter 23 and verse 8, we see that they do not believe in angels. Uh, if you went over to several places, Matthew 22, verse 23, uh, Luke 20 and verse 27, and Acts chapter 23 and verse 6, you see they do not believe in the resurrection. And their influence and their willingness through the high priest uh, to persecute these believers who are saying that there is resurrection from the dead. And why would they do that? They don't want it spreading any further. And so as you see their influence uh, over the people, they want to keep it and they don't want people teaching uh, in this way. And so as Paul or Saul at the time is wanting to stop this from happening, he leverages that piece of their understanding and their desire to be able to get his uh, uh, desires done. And so going back over to chapter 9, this creates the backdrop for what you see uh, from Paul as he's headed to Damascus to get these uh, letters uh, that they can uh, pretty much snuff out anybody that's of this belief. And so in verses 3, verses 6, we see that this is a righteous calling from Saul, and we look at it on the other side and say, boy, how can you 
think that killing people or jailing people is a righteous thing. But Paul saw this as absolutely right, right? And go with me over real quick. Hold your finger in Acts chapter 9 and verse uh, 3. But go, go with me over to Philippians chapter 3. And I spoke on this uh, for the graduation up there in Oregon. And it's very interesting um, how uh, we, we look at these movies today. And one of the things they like to do in movies and TV shows today is look at things from the perspective of the bad guy, right? <laughs> because we always look at the bad guy as simply the bad guy. And he's just evil. <laughs> he's inspired by evil. And that's all he's got, right? But if you... Look at a lot of these movies and shows today. They like to look at it from another perspective and say, well, what's motivating this person to do what they're doing? And if you look at Paul or look at it from his perspective, right, he thought that what he was doing was right. These Christians are the one that are evil. They're speaking blasphemies. They're spreading it all away. And we want to make sure that people are doing things in line with what God desires. So he, he thought that what he was doing was absolutely right before, but he found out that it was not. Uh, pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have not or no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh uh, that he might or hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And so here he's setting up who he was prior to this conversion. Right. And this is who we're looking at over in chapter nine. This is Paul. He's at the apex of everything he's supposed to be as a, a young Hebrew man, right? And can, uh, carrying out all of those things that he thinks that he should. In verse 5, he says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew out from Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And so... He was executing and doing everything that he thought he was supposed to do according to the law, right? And if he did anything that was wrong, what did he do? He went and sacrificed on behalf of that which he had done that was wrong. And so he was blameless according to the law. Um, <coughs> and so you see, again, executing uh, what he, he was doing as far as Christians are concerned, he didn't think that this was wrong at all. And it looks at the motivation of the individual and shows where the law falls short, right? <laughs> he could have been doing everything that he was doing, even up to persecuting believers. And according to law, he was doing things correctly, right? In his mind, he was carrying out what he was supposed to do. Uh, in verses three through six, then we see the righteousness or, uh, of this calling. And so uh, back to Acts chapter nine and in verse three, And what does it say there in verse three? It says, and as he journeyed, he came near uh, to Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. 
And so Saul's uh, travel was based on his purpose and authority. And so he's received this authority that he could uh, utilize these letters to go up and gather up believers and to bring them back uh, bound to Jerusalem. And he was in the midst of executing the arrest and extradition of believers when something happened. And so uh, really, I like the descriptive language that's used here. Uh, and it looks at his journey as ongoing, right? It's almost a play-by-play. <laughs> and as you uh, look at movies and they provide this narrative in the background of what's going on, this is similar to what's happening here. And so he was journeying for himself. And this uh, word for journeying is really simply our Greek word for going. And it looks at it in the middle passive. Uh, and so as he was either journeying for himself and this would emphasize the singular focus of Saul and his request for authority and his willingness to personally execute the mission of eradicating Christianity. And so you can look at it two ways in this middle passive form that he's either doing it for himself. Right. This is something he's doing for the benefit of himself or if it's in the passive he was caused to journey, and this would emphasize that the mission for his travel is what caused him to go to Damascus. And what happens? Saul's traveling party uh, was nearing to Damascus, and so they were almost there. They were right up to the precipice of accomplishing what he had set out to do when something happens. Now, in verse, uh, we see that the story narrows in, in on Saul, uh, though others were traveling with him. And so look at verse 7. Uh, skip down just a few verses. And it says, The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And so it doesn't tell you right up till then that there were people together with him in his traveling party, right? And so it uh, doesn't say how many, but there were men that were with him. Uh, and they're traveling before this happens. Do you guys have uh, page 105? Did I give you up today? Okay, <laughs> top of page 105. Uh, we see that they were almost to Damascus. He had almost reached his destination. And then uh, this happens. And so Saul's intentions were interrupted by a light. And so, again, the descriptive language that's used here uh, is suddenly. Right. He's journeying. He's going along. Then all of a sudden, wham, something hits him. What happens? This word for suddenly uh, is of a brief state of time between the previous action. And so Saul's traveling to Damascus and another, uh, the appearance of the bright light was without warning. Uh, we see this used over in a couple other places. And I don't want to go to these just because uh, I don't want to interrupt the flow. But if you went to Luke chapter 2 and verse 13, we see this is used of the suddenness of the appearance of angels in the field uh, with the shepherds after the birth of Jesus. So remember, they're out here in the field. They're just tending to their sheep. And all of a sudden, these angels appear in the, in the sky to tell them, hey, Jesus has been born. Right. Uh, we also see over in Luke chapter 9 and verse 39, where uh, it's used of the lack of warning and action of the demon possession or, or possessed boy. And so uh, it's something that comes all of a sudden out of nowhere. Uh, and you see this with regard to the light. Now, this light uh, is used of uh, really the effect of the light. And so the light shined round about them. Uh, we see this word, uh, Greek word for periate uh, strapsin, which has the idea of an engulfing flash of brilliant light. Uh, and go with me over really quickly to Acts chapter 22 and verse 6. 
and we see a, an explanation of this uh, term or word. And we'll probably come back here a few times as this gives a uh, um, kind of further description of what is happening here. And you hear Paul's firsthand account. It's often uh, interesting when someone else tells your story, right, as opposed to you telling it. You're going to have different detail that's included in it. And so uh, Paul here is explaining for himself. But pick it up in verse 1. He says, men and brethren uh, and fathers... Hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept more silence. And he said, I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner uh, of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, uh, as you all were uh, uh, are this day, and I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering in the prisons both men and women, as also the high priest uh, doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were uh, there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Jerusalem about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. You see, this light (laughs) enveloped him. There was no place that this light was not around his body, right? And we can't really experience anything like that because when we look at the sun, we see light. But I think of this light as being something more that was just touching his very skin in every place and engulfing him, right? It's something that he almost wore as he was journeying here. Uh, It was that thick and that brilliant of a light. And so as you think about it, the further explanation of Paul here with the use of this word indicates that he only saw light for a brief time before he was blinded, right? And so here the light envelops him, it hits his eyes, and he can't see anything more. He only hears a voice, and it sets the foundation uh, for what God has to say uh, to him. Last thing we want to look at here before we close out today, we see the origin of the light. It was away from the third heaven. And so the source of this light came out from heaven and it's much different than the sun. We're going to see because he says it's brighter than the noonday sun. And this reminds me of over in Acts chapter seven and verse uh, uh, 56, where we see Stephen's about to be stoned. And what does he look at? He looks at the voice of the Lord. He sees him standing out from the right hand, and this is all originating from the third heaven uh, and down to him. Uh, And so next week we'll come back in verse 4 and look at the reaction uh, or Paul or Saul's reaction to the light and and see what takes place there. So we'll leave off here and come back to verse 4 next week. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and grateful for the opportunity uh, to get back into this study in the book of Acts and to uh, see what your word has to say pertaining it. 
Uh, we're grateful uh, for uh, just the uh, foundation that was laid through Paul, uh, somebody that was uh, formerly persecuting believers, but then was caused to literally see the light and to go in a, a different direction. Uh, we're grateful for uh, the opportunities that we have in this life uh, that at any given time where we're out of your will and not operating uh, within it, that we can uh, turn in a, a similar way uh, back to those things that you desire and not fulfilling our own righteousness, but that, that you uh, have authorized and allowed for us to execute in Christ. We're grateful for these things. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.